1: Welcome back to the Lockdown Blues Podcast, part of the Lockdown Live Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Heim.
0: And I'm Thomas Welch.
1: And we got a, I don't know if I'd exactly call it a fun one today. It's solid. But we certainly, we certainly have an episode today. We do. Um, <laughs> that is a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> about uh, 12 hours ago, the blues finally finished up their... Uh, their game, game two against the Colorado Avalanche and only lost by about a touchdown. So, you know, it was a close finish. Um, just two couldn't get area. it in the end zone there. Yeah, just couldn't get it in the end, the end zone there at the end there. Jokes aside, the Blues lost 8 nothing, and we're going to talk about it as painful as it's going to be. Um, we got to talk about it. We were over the moon after, after game one and now we got a big old slice of humble pie after game two.
0: Yeah, it's the reason you gotta love hockey, though, right? It's the highs and the lows. One second you feel like the greatest team on the entire planet. Next second, you feel like the second coming of the Chicago Blackhawks. So, no. <laughs> the bottom of the I barrel, mean- uh, duster feeder team. And I mean, the Blues kind of looked like that last night. And I don't think that's gonna—they're gonna stick to form and stay that way. I don't think that's a reoccurring theme for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. It's good to get all the cobwebs out at the beginning of the season, but we still got to talk about it and it is a thing that happened. It's going to show up on the stat book so uh,
1: and i think it kind of goes back to a lot of the conversations we were having with chris on that sort of on that uh, crossover episode and when the common theme was sort of how back and forth this series was going to be throughout the year and i think i even said i fully expect the avalanche to just blow the doors off the blues at one of these times you know blow them out and sure enough i don't know if i was predicting eight nothing but uh You know, I was just saying with the way that these two teams play and how dominant they can be, but also kind of how off they can both be, whether they're on or off their games, can lead to some really, really one-sided matchups. And I think we got two one-sided matchups in the first two games. Now, the Blues aren't really an offensively explosive team like the Avs, so their dominant wins aren't 8 nothing. But, you know, this is a bit of a hot take. I'd argue that the Avs weren't that much more dominant in their 8-0 game than the blues were in their 4-1 game. It's just a matter of when you're a team like the Colorado Avalanche and you're firing on all cylinders um and the blues are are you know still sleeping. Uh, you're going to win. You're going to win 8-0 because you got that much talent on your roster. I don't know.
0: Oh, I would absolutely agree. And I think uh we alluded to it when we were like uh the blues rang two posts In the prior game, so it could have easily been six. But Chris also alluded to, uh, he didn't explicitly say his locked-on player of the game, but he did say that the Avalanche moving Landeskog up to the first line uh, would make a huge impact, and he scored two goals. So a lot of guys predicting the future here. uh, Not me as much, but props to you guys, um, because obviously you know what you're talking about. Yeah, that prediction wasn't as fun. I didn't like. Yeah, that I, one I didn't much. like that one as much either. But it happens. Um, I do. I do believe that uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head, and that we saw the uh, not the best of the Blues, maybe, but a really good Blues team in Game One, and not a great ABS team <laughs> in Game One, and then they flipped in Game Two, and it was an abysmal Blues team, right, right. Um, an embarrassing Blues team, and a fantastic ABS team that's firing on all cylinders. So I think from here on out it's kind of going to even out because we've seen both extremes of the spectrum for both teams. Um, So they kind of get a sense of what each team is more capable of, I guess. And it's going to be nail biters from here on out rest of the season. And and sort of getting into the
1: game itself. And obviously there are a multitude of problems at an eight, nothing loss. It doesn't just fall on one guy or one play or one aspect, but you know, and and I don't want to be that guy, but looking back and, and looking at, was it? it was like shift one or two of the game, Robert Bortuzzo gets his head smashed against the glass and goes to is the, out choir for the rest room. of the night. Yep. Yeah, goes to the quiet room and now you have to play a team like the Colorado Avalanche with five defenders in game two of the season where you've had very limited practice, very limited training camp. It's a recipe for disaster. And as soon as Bortuzzo went down, you know, as much as I even pointed him out as maybe the one negative of the Blues game one, just having six bodies out there regardless of who they are is so much more valuable than five, especially against a team like the Colorado Avalanche. When they're, you know, when you make, when you're playing their style, it's a track meet and you're sprinting up and down the ice 15 times a shift. It's a lot of cardio. Right, exactly. And, and again, it's eight, nothing. Robert Bertuzzo's uh, departure wasn't the reason behind it. But um, if you wanted to kind of look at what maybe pushed the snowball, down the hill before it got completely out of control. I think it really all stems from there. And not to say the Blues looked good, but I think after that point is when the wheels really fell off. And they just, the five defensemen could not keep up with Colorado. It really looked like they were, you know, having a practice out there just a shooting gallery. And I think that's the one you know, before the pod you mentioned that Jordan Binnington um, may have been the one positive takeaway from that game. And looking at the score sheet, like, what? What are you talking about? He gave up four goals, and it looked that good. That's that's impossible. Um, but with the way that the apps are playing, just skating circles around the Blues, it could have that game could have been fifteen nothing. Um, and it sucks that Billy Huso had to get his debut in that way, and it sucks that Jordan Bennington had to get pulled in game two. But if you are trying to search for positives within that game, I think that you can very easily say. With six defensemen, it might have been a very different story, and at least the goaltending wasn't the reason for the loss. It was, it was just the fact that nothing was working. So it's, a, I don't want to say it's an easy
0: fix, but at least, it, it, at least it's not one of those things where you're worried it's going to last throughout the entire season. One hundred percent. And touching on the Bortuzzo hit, um, there's a lot of things to unpack here for me, um, but I think you were kind of beating around the bush at what you were saying, but uh, kind of essentially saying the same thing that the wheels fell off after that point. And I think that happened for multiple reasons, but I do also think it's important to note that um, Bertuzzo did not play the entire game and Taze came back and played the entire game. So, if uh, NHL... Player safety doesn't even take a look at this hit. That's ridiculous in my mind. And maybe it's not worth a suspension. I don't know. Maybe like it's just a hockey play that ended up concussing Bertuzzo or whatever happened. I'm not. I'm still not sure like what the full injury is. But the fact that they won't even go go in and have a hearing for this just absolutely blows my mind. But that being said, back on the topic of the actual game, I think seeing something like that happen, Bertuzzo gets groggy and there's no call. I think that is what initially frustrated this Blues team, and then also taking away one of your best penalty kill guys. That's not going to help either. And then next thing you know, the Blues yeah, well, are getting what was frustrated. It
1: five five or seven officially on the power, on the
0: power play? For yeah, the tied abs. a franchise and record that- most goals off power plays in a game. I thought
1: it was six. I don't know. Rutherford initially tweeted out that it was six, but then issued a correction saying it was five.
0: Let okay. me keep talking, all Let me. See if okay, though. so yeah, regardless, the Blues let up two or three goals at even strength, which I think if anything out of this game uh, to be a plus, you could take that and probably Jordan Binnington and his play. But back to what I was saying, take a guy like Bortuzzo off the penalty kill. And at the same time, frustrate the entire team being like, where's the call? Because the dude just gets blindsided into the boards when he's staring at numbers the entire time. So next thing you know, the Blues get a penalty called on them and then the wheels start falling Literally off.
1: seconds after. Yeah, that, that exactly. That's what pissed me off so much. Exactly. They, they, call, they call a weak little hold on Vince Dunn moments after. Dortuzo gets his his bell rung and gets his head hit into the boards. Um,
0: and a lot of those penalties I think were head scratchers. But yeah, I think I think it remains that a lot of those penalties were some of them you can chalk up to frustration for the blues and just like, oh, like put it on my tab, ref, Stevie Wonder, like here comes another call that shouldn't be made. But like next thing you know, there's like seven power plays, five or six goals and the game gets out of control. And I think the morale and the way that the blues were skating alongside the fact that they didn't have one of their best penalty killers alongside the fact that they only had five defensemen was a recipe for disaster. And that's the result that we got at the end of the day. But I will tell you what Tommy, Uh, we aren't very happy after that result, but you know who definitely is, is happy after that game. Who's that?
1: Anyone who bet the over. Fair enough. Oh my Um, God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, if, if you're interested in making any sports betting, like you know, betting the over in the next blues Abs game, because from what we've seen through two games, it's pretty guaranteed to hit, um, or anything else. You know, football playoffs going on right now, um, hockey's getting started up, NBA's going on, college basketball's going on, there's always golf on, literally anything you can imagine that you think you got a hot take on that maybe the, the bookies over at Vegas don't necessarily agree with you on and you want to make a little money. Um, along with just having some bragging rights for getting a hot take correct, go to betonline.ag. They are your one-stop shop for anything involving sports betting. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code Locked On, and you'll get a fifty percent welcome bonus along with your first deposit. So they have everything from individual games to season totals. If you want to bet on the Cup winner or the Heart Trophy winner, or just like I said, the over for an individual game, or they got weird prop bets. If you think that Ryan O'Reilly's gonna get an assist in the second period of next game, go make that bet. You'll and you can win big. Um, so don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked to On to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And we will be right back with the second half of today's episode. So moving on. Um I mean, not moving on, continuing to talk about this uh, disaster of a game. Um, I think you can't. we can't really go too much further without talking about the penalty kill um, and the fact that they gave up five goals on seven attempts. Now, you can argue, oh, they lost one of their best penalty killers in Bertuzzo. You could argue, oh, the penalty calls weren't great. You could argue, oh, any penalty kill that has to go up there seven times is going to inevitably give up a bunch of goals because it's exhausting. You could argue, oh, it's the Colorado Avalanche. I got a really good power play. Uh, you should never, ever, 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 ever give up five power play goals in a single game. That is astronomically bad.
0: Yeah, just can't help. Um, And Especially on a team that prides itself, I feel like in years past, on their penalty kill um, and on their defensive play. I really feel like, not that they were being lazy, but I think after yeah, every single amazing. after after every single penalty i think the morale uh was just like here we go like uh, the refs are screwing this game for us even though i like uh, in years past in the stanley cup run like there's been instances like the hand pass for instance where oh. it's if we felt like the refs are just completely against us calling bullshit penalties left and right but the blues overcome and a lot of times, especially in that in that series against Boston, I feel like there was a lot of soft penalties. There were suspensions, um, and they overcame and they rise above and still play their style of hockey. But this Blues team, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the start difference was, but for whatever reason, they just let it get to them, and I think it affected them all game long, and especially on the penalty kill.
1: Yeah, uh, I sort of mentioned very briefly um, the body language of the Avalanche players after giving up some of those goals in Game One, and I think the body language of the Blues players in game two was even more apparent, uh, their frustrations, but also their lack of effort on the penalty kill. Um, I think that's really what this comes down to, what this game comes down to is lack of effort from maybe every single skater, um, you know, other than apart from Jordan Bennington. But, uh, yeah, I don't think a single player on the Blues was given 100% um, for the entire game, especially on the penalty kill. I think you could see it, uh, especially after, you know, like you said, that Bortuzzo no-call definitely got a lot of players frustrated, got a lot of players um, angry. And also the penalty, the weak call against the Blues immediately after that couldn't have sat right. But Blues teams in, in the past have taken those frustrations and taken those moments of adversity and used them to fuel a comeback or fuel a dominant win in game in the next game or the next period or whatever. And we didn't see that. We saw... Blues players looking dejected, looking frustrated, uh, grabbing hold of people and getting more holding calls instead of moving their feet, playing with the puck. There was a lot of puck watching. Um, so I think you really you really hit the nail on the head when you said the team sort of, not gave up, but uh, kind of took the wind out of their sails when Bortuzzo went down with that injury. And then the penalties just keep piling up. And then you got your, a rookie goalie in who's never... You know, senior NHL time before. I, I think at the end of that, end of the third period, pretty much every player on the team had checked out and was ready to go home. And it really sucks to say that because uh, you know I love this team, and I don't think that's something I've ever seen out of them. But uh, they,
0: they they gave up. I don't think that's going to be a recurring theme either. But uh, talk, I know, talking dude. about talking about who so as well. Imagine imagine you you're hopping in this game already down four nothing, and you're making your NHL debut, and one of the first shots you have to go up against is Nathan McKinnon. Whoo, that's got to be fun. That's got to be great for the little Welcome confidence boost. Yeah. To be fair, um, in terms of, like you can make the argument that a lot of shots he's going to face after that one is going to feel like. Little Gerber baby shots because, like, if the first one you're facing is McKinnon, the rest are just going to feel easy. But uh, man, I I, just so many things that went wrong. But I think, I think when you said there wasn't one player that really stuck out as like a bright spot or like that gave 100%, I do think Jordan Bennington had a fantastic game, right? And even besides Jordan, yeah, exactly. I think, I think the yank wasn't because he was playing bad, uh, it was because. The Blues weren't playing in front of him, and right, Ruby right. was and you you sick don't of want to leave him out the dry, yeah, right if you leave Bennington in there for that third period, it probably ends at
1: pretty much the same score, yeah, um, and all of a sudden, you got confidence issues from your number one goalie two games into the season, and that's not what you want to see um it was just one of those games where it 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 happens, you know, you show up to the rink. And the, the chemistry is not there. The, you know, you, you're not clicking with your teammates. It, they weren't connecting not, passes, it, it, not possessing it's them it's in the offensive not, zone. It's just not there. And that happens every once in a while. And it just so happens to be not only against a team like the Colorado Avalanche, but a team like the Colorado Avalanche who showed up in a, in a mirror opposite fashion. Not only were they clicking, they were in you know full playoff form um, in that game. So it, it was two kind of polar opposite teams. A lot of times you get it where both teams aren't really showing up, and you get a sort of a sloppy game. And I think that's what kind of happened in the first period of Game One, um, when when Chris alluded to the, the Avs being the the worst of two bad teams. I think that's kind of what he was getting to. You know, you get two teams that aren't really clicking, but at the end of the day, they're both figuring it out, so it's still a back and forth game. Uh, in this one, the Blues didn't really show up; didn't really know what they were doing. The Avs did from square one, and the Blues just could never could never catch up, you know, even if they started putting it together a little later in the game, it was too late.
0: This game had a lot of feelings that I felt, um, I forget which game it was, but when the Blues got blown out in the Stanley Cup finals against Boston, um, they, two. yeah, just lost, just a lack of discipline, um, put, constantly putting them on the power play, not being able to stop them on the power play. Um, but I think, game three. Uh, yeah, but I think the um, I think the Blues, um after that point, we're like, okay, they scored what? Two goals at even strength. So if we play at even strength the entire game and stay disciplined and keep our heads on straight, we can play with these guys and probably beat them because we have a better goalie and more depth. As much as this game sucks and watching our team get absolutely dismembered eight to nothing. I think there's a lot of takeaways that this team can take from it, and I hope they use it as a building block moving forward and realize that, hey, if we stay out of the penalty box against these guys, we'll be fine. All right, we're getting close to the end of today's episode, so let's take one more short break, and we'll be right back to wrap this one up.
1: All right, Tommy. So you come out, game one. You play a dominant game against probably the best team in your division in the Colorado Avalanche. And then you come out game two and play maybe the worst game of the last five years in franchise history. Um, how do you move on from that? You know, what's, what's the, if you're Craig Berube, what are you telling your teammate, or what are you telling your, your players in the, in the locker room today, you know, when they show up for practice? What, what's, what's the mentality?
0: Well, I think step one is making a statement against San Jose uh, Monday night. and Which shouldn't be hard to do. Right, exactly. Uh, essentially, this is like a throw up the lob and slam dunk at home. Uh, this should be an easy series for the Blues. So go out and take care of business. Play the game that you know how to play. Don't stoop down. We've talked about this before with this Blues teams, but um, sometimes they like to stoop down to a team's level and just like barely beat them instead of playing their game and forcing the team to rise up to their level, which they're incapable of. I, I want to see this team... Go out, handle their business, um, and beat the San Jose Sharks handedly. And I think that'll boost their confidence moving forward. Um, but also just um, going into practice, um, going in the, into the room afterwards as well and just talking to guys and being like, hey, like this isn't our game. We know we're capable of doing more. Um, this was embarrassing. Flush it. Put it behind you. Um, take note of Everything that we didn't like about this game, take note of everything that the Avalanche exploited against us. Um, But don't let this game linger because we got a lot more hockey to play.
1: Right, and and you know I think looking forward at their schedule, you got two games against San Jose and then two games against the Kings. Um, And it is hockey, so like it's not like it's not like it's the NBA where the where you know you know the Blues are going to blow those guys out. You know, all four of those games, there's a good chance they go two and two. They could even go one and three. But the the point is, it's a good opportunity to play some non-dominant teams, some teams that aren't necessarily going to force you to play their style, and it's going to be a really good opportunity for the Blues to sort of find their identity this year, um, and get it consistently. Because I think that they got, you know, they 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 made some really good progress game one. I don't think that they had it completely figured out, uh, but again, still led away with a win. And then game two, they never even got close. They never got a chance to find their identity because they were just chasing their own tails all night. Um, But now you got four games in a row against teams that you should be that you should be absolutely head and shoulders better than. Um, And it's a really good opportunity for them to sort of, you know, sit back, take a deep breath, say, all right, we're capable of winning, winning a lot of hockey games this year. How are we going to do that and do that game one, do that game two, do that game three, do that game four. Next thing you know, they're off and running for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, exactly, and th- like you said, these next four games are a good, a good way for this team to show up and kind of uh, build an identity. But it's also a good way for them to build momentum, and I feel like. Especially, yep. especially this Blues team. Like, if you go, if you go from last in the league to first in the league, uh, that's a lot of momentum that has to be built and streak. And I think it was 11, right? When we tied the franchise record. Mm-hmm. Um, Good so time. yeah, yeah, <laughs> better times than now. That's for sure. Uh, but that's what this team is capable. They're capable of getting hot, um, at the right times. They're capable of going into the playoffs hot, but they're also capable of being ice cold like they were last night. Um, so I think building momentum gives them a better chance to spark that flame and stay hot for a longer period of time, especially with a goalie like Jordan Bennington who feels like he rides off a lot of momentum. So we'll see what happens. All right. Since we're uh, since we're A, getting close to the end of today's episode, and B, we don't have a game either
1: tonight or tomorrow night. Um, we got sort of a weak slate of games. I'm going to ask you a new question. Who is your locked-on player of the week? Of the week. Of the week. So the Blues got four games over the next eight days. Um, Who's that one guy that you think – if he gets going, if he gets to his game, then the Blues are going to go 4-0.
0: Well, I will say uh, I saw a lot of people talking about Mike Hoffman last night. And uh, I know Baruby knocked him down in the lines and he knocked him down on the power play unit as well. Uh, I uh, There was one goal. I forgot which goal it was, but he did just kind of seem – and I know a lot of people tweeted out – Uh, like when we signed him, like he's not good defensively, he's not very good at possessing the puck, but he does score a lot of goals. Um, and I get that, but there's a difference between not being good defensively and just kind of being disengaged. And to be fair, there was a lot of blues players being disengaged last night, but I I think in terms of fitting into the system, in terms of building chemistry with his teammates, um, a lot of people can feed off of him playing into the system and playing hard um, in every zone, not just the offensive zone. So I think this team could potentially go as Mike Hoffman goes. And the more he gets assimilated into the system and the more he – he doesn't even really have, yeah. He doesn't even have to play defense as long as he's marking guys and just in the vicinity and uh, causing havoc there. He doesn't have to play right. good Take, defense, taking away
1: taking, taking away passing lanes, exactly. Making it making forwards rooks just a little bit harder.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have to be Ryan O'Reilly with his stick play, but if as long as he's taking up space and marking men, I'll be fine with it. So I think the more he gets comfortable with this team and the more he progresses throughout that, he's going to make a bigger difference on this team, and they're going to kind of build around that and be like, okay, I see you, and then play better as well. So I think a week long, uh, we could see that transition made. I don't maybe it won't take a week. Um, but I will be keeping my eye on Mike Hoffman, so he's my locked on player of the week. Yeah, I, I don't think it's fair to to judge Mike Hoffman at all. You ever see the Wolf of Wall Street, Tommy? i have, yes.
1: So you know how you know how his first day of work, he's a big stockbroker going on the Wall Street, he walks in and then all of a sudden it's Black Tuesday, literally the worst financial day in American history, and yeah. all, all the stock markets go down. And he gets fired, and if you were to if you were to watch just that much of the movie, you'd be like, "Wow, Jordan Belfort is the shittiest stock trader ever." Mm-hmm. Um, I equate I equate this to that. Mike Coffin walks into the blues locker room. He's you know he's high and mighty. He's ready to go. He's ready to show the team. He's the new big man on campus. He's a new he's a new guy. He uh, goes in and then. It is the worst blues game yep. imaginable. Yep. So you cannot judge Mike Hoffman based off of that. I agree. He still has plenty of time to become the the, the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh he is. This is the beginning of his of his blues career, and it and it was the definition of wrong place, wrong time.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, and we saw even the acquisition of Justin Falk. Like it really took him a little more over than a year for him to get acclimated here. I still, maybe he's not fully acclimated here. I mean, we've, we've seen two games from him, but he looked fantastic in the bubble. Um, and that was after like a full season with the Blues. So to say that Mike Hoffman has to come in and be a world beater right off the jump, uh, I don't think that's fair to him or his play. Um, but just give him a chance. We'll see what happens later on down the road. Uh, we know what he's capable of and the stats that he's put up. So
1: yeah, I think Hoffman's is a great choice for for a, a big a big a big name to see break out this week. Um, I'm gonna I would say Jordan Middington, but I think that's too easy. I think he's been good enough for this season where I don't I'm not too worried about him. I don't think he needs to be quote unquote locked on. Um, I'm gonna sort of go back to a guy that I mentioned at the beginning of the season. I'm gonna say Colton Pareko. I like it. Um, I think I think he looked pretty good. Yeah, he game looked okay. Game 1 as a one defenseman and up game 2 he looked awful. And again, the whole team looked awful. Um but if you're going to win a Stanley Cup, if you're going to do well in a regular season, whatever it may be, especially if you're playing the way that the Blues play, you need you need to sort of build out from your defense. You go de- defense first, and that starts with your number one defenseman, and Colton Pareko is being asked to be that number one defenseman this year.
0: And that's another thing, too, that you have to take into consideration is you're you're bringing in a guy, a new acquisition in Torrey Krug that, like we talked about the other night, uh, chalked up 22 minutes, which is a hefty load uh, for a defenseman. And there's still... Still working out all the kinks in terms of communication and marking and all of those things. And like we also talked about, we didn't really see the full potential of the Avs in Game 1. I feel like Game 2 was kind of a lot more what we expect from a Stanley Cup favorite like the Avalanche. Um, So, it's going to take them some time to be able to handle that onslaught and get comfortable with each other communicating and knowing who's going where and who's marking in, in those circumstances. So I feel like there's a learning right. cur- curve there as well. And I don't think we should read too much into that, but I think you are right that uh, two very different performances from Colton mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. And again, I-, I think you can't judge a single player on the blues uh, off of that last game when there were, they spent half the game on the power on um, the penalty kill. Um, so, you know, they never really got into their line rotations properly. Anytime that they were sort of like, you know, start to roll the lines, they'd get a penalty. So you never really got comfortable with getting on the ice, playing 45 seconds, getting off the ice for three minutes, getting back out there. It was, it was a disaster. It was guys were playing for two and a half minutes, walking around their own zone, and then taking a penalty, and then going right back out there on the penalty kill. It, it was not the proper environment to judge a single player on that team. But... I, it would have been nice if they played well because, you know, that's just one game sooner that you get the chemistry going. So, that being said, I think these next four games would be a really good opportunity for Colton Pareko and a guy like Tory Krug. He's sort of my, my junior lockdown player of the week. Um, whether they end up still playing together or not, uh, if Ruby uh, juggles the lines, but the two probably most important defensemen on this team, it'll give them an opportunity to settle in and get comfortable with their new different role than what they're used to and with this blue style if your defensemen are playing well and Bennington is playing well which he has been all you know all year two games but which he has been so far then the rest of it can sort of come naturally and you don't have to worry about it as much so I think playing teams that are a little bit offensively hindered like the Sharks and the Kings are going to be a really really good opportunity for Colton Perico and potentially Tory Krug, Justin Falk, whoever it else may be that has sort of been a little lost uh, on the defensive end, so far, good opportunity for them to settle in.
0: Yep, exactly, one hundred percent. So we will be previewing uh, the San Jose Sharks game versus the St. Louis Blues uh, Monday morning at five a.m. It'll be available. We're going to get into a little schedule here of posting all of our episodes at five a.m. Uh, so you guys can be expecting that. Um, check it out. Listen to it all day long. Tell us what you think. Give us your reactions. Uh, give us your I predictions. To, I don't know. Don't, don't listen to it all day long. You might go crazy. Ah, yeah, that's true. It. Actually, I was just whispering in your ear. <laughs> um, but you can only catch it here on the Locked On Blues podcast five days a week. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok to be updated uh, with all of our podcasts and episodes and content. You can follow me on Twitter at twelcher15. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button to whatever platform you're listening on. But as always, let's go
1: Blues.